Mental health challenges are often kept in the closet or even swept under the rug. We know they can affect anyone, from adults to children, and the struggle is real. Join us as we talk about relevant topics with mental health experts. Welcome to Equip Online, a place for hope and help. Well, welcome to Equip Online. I'm Wally, and this is my co-host, Brian. And today we're going to be talking about a difficult subject. How do we deal with grief and even the loss of a loved one during the holiday season? So we brought in Bridget Seletka to help us in this conversation. Uh, She is a licensed professional counselor here in the Woodlands. And so, Bridget, as we start this off, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, I'd love to. Thanks for having me. Um, My name is Bridget Seletka. I'm a licensed counselor here in the Woodlands. Um, So I'm licensed in Texas, and I'm also actually licensed as a clinical mental health counselor in New York. And um, I also help coordinate this group of professionals, the Woodlands Mental Health Professionals, which is a really um, great resource for our community. And I like to think of myself as a resource for people to call and, you know, talk to me a little bit about what's going on with you. And, you know, often I'm not the right counselor, but I certainly... um, I'm very passionate about helping people get hooked up with the right professional to help them in any situation. That's great. Well, Brian, you want to kick us off here in this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I I think about the holiday season. It's, you know, you look at the commercials, you, you know, you're walking around, you know, in in our area, in the Woodlands, we've got an area, you know, Market Street and the mall and everything's so festive Mm -hmm. and it's very family centered and it's just the most wonderful time of the year. Right. Right. And I think, you know, we wanted to have this conversation because the reality is it's a very difficult time of year for a lot of people. Yes. Um, as we, as we look at this area of loss of grief of when you've lost a loved one, um, no matter how long ago it's been, whether it's right. in this past year or whether it's several years ago, why? And so, you know, maybe to kick off this conversation, Bridget, why is the holiday season a particularly tough time when it comes to grief and, and loss? It really is. And I just want to acknowledge that particularly this year, right, this has been a tough year for a lot of people, right, with the pandemic. So um, people are already struggling. The The holidays, right, are meant to be a time of joy, right? And certainly as Christians, that's how we define it, right? This is a joyful period. Um, in the year. And, you know, we have all of those traditions that we're used to, you know, gathering with families again this year, that might be harder, Um, gathering with families and having meals and having presents, right? So when we're so connected to this special time of year and we have, you know, most of us have lots of fond memories, right? Of holidays through the years and growing up and with our children and grandchildren that, um, that, empty seat at the table, if you will, right? That person who's no longer with us, that feels like a massive hole on any day, on any given day, right? Grievers can struggle with that. But then at the holidays, it just seems like a heightened awareness, right? That, um, you know, your brother or father or child isn't there to celebrate with you. Yeah, I know. This subject that we're talking about today is one that is um, I resonate with because uh, I think back to 2002, uh, my dad, we were getting ready. He was, we were in Augusta. He had gone to see my, 
sister for Christmas. Um, and so we were there um, and we were getting ready to put him into hospice because he just took a real downhill turn. And um, so it was Christmas Eve. Uh, I was there in the hospital with him. He was unconscious. And I just remember uh, having fallen asleep with my head on his bed and waking up about 1.30 in the morning, just knowing that he wasn't there. Wow. And so um, that was um, a difficult time to deal with. But then yes. even um, for the aftermath of that, uh, not only going into a um, going into a hole for a period of time, but for the following three years, it seemed like around Christmas time, every time mm. that I would go into this hole, that it took me three years to figure out what was going on. Right. So, um, well, a massive loss, right? Yeah. Our parents, you know, we are our parents, right? right. You know, your dad's 50% of who you are, right? So um, that's a massive loss. And then it kind of compounds it when the loss happens at the holidays too, right? Because right? we know those anniversary dates can be very difficult for people who've had losses. And, and even just the loneliness that goes along with that, because I remember thinking, um, okay, my parents are gone, you know, who's here to help me? And I'm, you know, in my forties at the time with a wife and two kids and, mm -hmm. you know, supposed to be in an adult and, um, right. you know, just kind of thinking, wow. Uh, and the reality, I helped him in those final years, but just that, that mm. the way it seemed, the way it seemed. So, when you're yeah. saying that, it hits home for me so much because my, my dad died about 20 years ago, but um, uh, my mother died four years ago. And my brother, who's very strong in his faith, he really is. I'll never forget him saying to me, um, calling me and saying, Bridget, I feel like an orphan, mm -hmm. you know? And again, grown man, family of his own, but right, our parents are so much a part of who we are that that is, Fine. you know, that connectedness that we have with them, right, feels... Like such a deep loss. So, Bridget, why is it such a, um, why do the holidays, what is it about that time that seems to really compound the loss? Mm -hmm. I don't know if it does or not, um, but I guess because my dad was the second to die, my mom had died in October, but it seems like it was more difficult. And I don't know if it meant I was more connected to him mm -hmm. or if it's just the compoundedness of the holiday. So every Christmas Eve, I think about, oh yeah, this is the day that dad This died. is right. And, and so there's that aspect for sure. I also think that for people who are grieving, this, there's this like, antici like anticipatory kind of stress, right? Of everyone's going to be together. Will I keep it together? There's a little guilt mixed in there sometimes. Like I don't want to ruin people's holidays. I don't want to burst out in tears on Christmas morning or at Thanksgiving dinner and ruin it for everybody else. I've heard that hundreds of times, you know? And so that the stress of, you know, what if I, what if I don't want to go, you know, what if I get there and it feels like too much for me? So there's a lot of, sometimes the anticipation of the event is, you know, these holiday gatherings is actually maybe worse than the event themselves. Um, but all of those negative thoughts are swirling, right? And then all of these feelings of grief mixed in and it, it can make it feel very difficult. However, I do want to give people the hope, right? That with some forward thinking and some planning and some communication, there's hope that you can get through. You know, we all know lots of people who've gotten through difficult holiday periods. So we don't want to leave people with the sense yeah. of this is just so heavy and hard. You know, you can't, you can get through it, but you know, I guess that's what we're here today to talk about is yeah, we definitely how does that want to get happen? Into some of that here in a little bit for sure. Um, well, kind of speaking of that, um, what, 
what would be some advice or uh, tips that you might give to somebody that is anticipating that, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, uh, you know, in December, we're looking at Christmas coming up, you know, what, um, what would be some tips to kind of help plan and think through if you're nervous about that, if you're anxious about what are the holidays going to be like without that loved one in my life? Right. Okay. I think that's a great place to start. And then I I think we're also going to talk about how to help someone who is grieving. That's kind of the, the, um, sister piece there, sister or brother piece there. Um, I would say if, if you've had a loss and if it's getting hard for you now, right? So, you know, Christmas is coming around the corner and you're worried about that. I think, um, and this is not my brilliant idea. This comes from Dr. Joanne Cacciatore and she'll be in the resources that I give you. Um, she talks about making a Christmas wish list, but it's not presence in the traditional sense. It's making a list uh, that you can either verbally discuss with your family, or maybe you do type it out or write it out and distribute it or send it by email, but helping people understand what it is that you need, right? Because people do want to help, right? You're on their hearts and they know you're hurting and people want to help. And, you know, grievers will often say this, you know, everyone says, you know, let me know what I can do or how I can. The problem is that people aren't mind readers, so they can't really know what's going to be helpful for you. So um, some ideas that I've seen other people put on lists like this could be things like, um, I'm just making up names here, obviously. Um, Please say Mary's name. It's harder for me when you don't say her name because it's like, it's almost reinforcing that she's not here or it's making her invisible at the holiday. So please talk about her, share your memories of her, share the funny stories. I want to hear that. I might cry. I might, I might cry a lot, you know, and, and that's okay. And I hope that doesn't make you uncomfortable, but I need to cry a lot. And that's just where I'm at. Or give me um, permission to leave. If I, if I get up and say that I need to go home and walk the dogs, that's my sign to you that it's starting to feel overwhelming. And I've enjoyed my time with you, but I need to go home and have some space now. And um, please don't burden me with extra guilt about that. Um, It could be asking someone to come to a support group with you, to attend a support group with you, or to go shopping with you and buy a present um, for your deceased loved one in their honor that maybe is donated. Um, These kind of, you know, ideas about having this open communication. I I don't think we're so good at this in our society, by the way. Mm -hmm. I think it's very hard for grievers. They don't want to burden other people. Um, But being able to think about what would what would make this holiday, you know, season or celebration, gathering, whatever. What would make that easier for me? What do I really, you know, need to do? How can we honor Mary, right, or John or whoever, you know, it is that you've lost? Some families like to, um, I'm from New York, so I talk with my hands. <laughs> I've had awesome. my hands very politely under here, but now you're going to see them going. Yeah. They, um, they set a place at the table, right? And actually have an actual empty seat, right? But for some people that feels comforting because it's honoring that, you know, the person's presence, despite, you know, their physical presence not being here. It could be. Um, you know, please, before Thanksgiving dinner, when we say our prayer, can we light a candle in honor 
of him or her or them, you know, because there might be multiple losses. There might be past losses, granny and granddad that aren't here anymore. Can we say a special prayer for them? So there's lots of different ways, you know, and we have rituals, don't we, at the holidays and micro rituals, which are kind of small things, even smaller things that we do. Um, it could be um, maybe maybe there are some rituals that need to go away that don't feel so good. You know, maybe everyone decorating the tree together feels too hard. So that would be something important to communicate and say, you know, this year, maybe I'm not going to have a tree or I just want to decorate that by myself. Um, or there might be new rituals, you know, new th- traditions that we want to add in. Um, and that could be whatever feels meaningful or special um, to the to the grieving person or people. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, it, do you feel like in when these scenarios happen, if a family is able to come to some of those new rituals or making those adjustments, mm-hmm. is it usually, I, I imagine someone who, especially if it's really raw and mm. their, their grief is really fresh, sometimes it may be hard to even know what to do. Right. So is that where maybe a, a close friend or someone could come in and and just be there to help facilitate that discussion? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I always, yeah. I, I'm all for leaning on, you know, friends, um, trusted, you know, trusted people in our lives to try to help have those conversations. The other thing I should point out, and it's, you know, another kind of layer of complication is that often there's more than one person grieving in a family, right? And people have different grieving styles and they may be in a different place with that. So sometimes this can create conflict, right? That um, someone wants to do, you know, a holiday a certain way and maybe the spouse or another child or whatever doesn't, you know, doesn't want to do that. So this is where the talking about it becomes really important. And maybe we have to figure out some way to incorporate what works for different people. Yep. How would you say, Bridget, because as I'm listening to you talk, I think about, you know, some, some people um, would feel very comfortable saying, hey, guys, I need this this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's probably 50%, maybe higher, that just would rather just bury it and not talk about it, but mm-hmm. they're still grieving. Right. Um, and so if it's all the family that's gathered, um, mm-hmm. how, how can you address that just to say what proactively can we do? I mean, is that something you would discuss two weeks before? Hey, guys, what do you all think when we get together, whoever's the... Yeah. One that's willing to bring that up in the group. Like what? a point person in the family who can, or, or that trusted friend yeah, who could have a gentle conversation. You know, yeah. I think about that in my own family that I'm more likely to be willing to talk about that than maybe some other members of my family. Absolutely. So that's where it would be really important to draw on that, you know, find that person who can say, you know, could you please go and, you know, talk to the mom or, you know, whoever's struggling uh, the most. And, you know, try to, you know, it's a gentle, you know, it's, I, I believe that you can have hard conversations and it always deepens the relationship, right? If we come at that with love and kindness, um, maybe it's not well received though the first time, you know, but at least you've tried. I also just want to honor the fact that when you said about people just want to bury it, our society is constantly giving that message, right? We live in this happiness culture, right? And you know, the joy of Christmas. And, um, and so there is a, there's very much, um, 
the sentiment of grievers wanting to bury their grief, you know, and not spoil it for other people. And sometimes, unfortunately, other people are sending the message of, you know, well, it's been six months already, you know, I hope we can have Hope we can have a nice Christmas, <laughs> you know, so, so it's hard because we, um, Dr. Cacciatore again talks about how we live in a grief avoidant society, that this is something that we're, we don't do very well. We don't talk about it a lot. It's much easier just to sort of sweep it under, bury it, you know, sweep it under the carpet. And really we know that that's not helpful for people. So it's really all about, um, you know, finding the courage in oneself. If you're the, you know, you're grieving and you're in pain, you know, pray about that, draw on your resources, you know, try to help communicate to others what it is that you need. And then if you're a loved one, it's reaching out, right? Stopping by for that cup of coffee or offering to take a walk or go visit the graveside together and, you know, gently and lovingly broaching that conversation about, you know, I'm thinking about Christmas. We're a couple of weeks away here. And I'm really aware of how much you're hurting and I want to try to make this easier for you. So what, what can we figure out here that's going to make that day? You know, what, what do you need from me? And maybe throwing out some ideas. You know, uh, I realize that the first Christmas that you're going to be going through that or first holiday season, there's really no way that we can practically prepare for that. I mean, for like in my case, it was one day later and just all the family's like, Right. You know, Christmas Day is uh, a day of grief, uh, of mourning, maybe not grief, but yeah, mourning. Yeah, we morning. still exchange presents, but they just lack the the magic, if you would, mm -hmm. uh, that a normal Christmas has. And so um, I Understandably. think- Understandably. Yeah, absolutely. So we we'll, we want people to know that, that we're not saying, oh, if you'll just do these three things, you'll fix it. Right. Um, but I do think that um, it would have been good for me to go into counseling because I think about- the following three years, early January, I'd go into a funk and I'd just go into a hole for a month or two. And it took me three years of, of that to all of a sudden realize, wait a second, connecting the dots, knowing what this was about. This right. has to do with the loss of death that I'm still associating Christmas with. That I, and, and once I did that, mm -hmm. um, I was able to navigate. And that next year, it didn't, that, that didn't happen. Yeah, I still miss them and I miss them different, right. uh, different days. It catches me by surprise, but, but, um, we call those grief bursts. Yeah. And they happen, right? My dad died 20 years ago and I still might hear a random this morning. Um, I was having my hair done this morning and I heard a Nat King Cole, which is his favorite singer. And I felt that, yeah. right. It's normal to happen. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of our, uh, pastors, he likes to say, uh, when we grieve, we need to grieve well. Mm. Uh, and we tend to kind of, and, and I don't think I did that initially. I was the executor of his estate. We had to get his body back to Houston to bury him and just all the stuff that was going on. So it's more of a process. But right. you know, are there any other um, tips or advice that uh, you might give us as to helping that we haven't already discussed? We may have discussed them all mm. of uh, helping uh, our family navigate or I think we navigate. probably won't have time to discuss all of the yeah. aspects of this but in terms of grieving well you know what does that really mean and the truth is that's going to mean something different different for different people I would say generally from and remember I'm a counselor right so you know I always want to talk about things but I think this avoidance is it works until it doesn't work right you know when we avoid things and hard feelings we stuff feelings down 
it works until, I don't know if you've had that experience of kind of burying something and it goes well for a while and then it kind of all comes out the wrong ways. And sometimes with grief, we see that coming out and maybe, um, you know, different things, you know, behaviorally, um, physically, emotionally, right? Maybe someone's not sleeping well. Um, or maybe they're turning to other, you know, thing, maladaptive coping, we call it, you know, maybe they're turning to other things that aren't necessarily healthy, right? Alcohol comes to mind since that's a common one, um, to try to cope with feelings. So what I would say is whenever we're stuffing feelings and burying, that usually doesn't work out well. So the way, and it's the hardest thing really, because, you know, if you have like the pain, right, the pain is here and we want to avoid the pain. We want to go in the other direction, right? It's like human instinct, right? That fight or flight response. We want to kind of flight, fly away from it, get away from it. But really the way with grief and with a lot of things, truthfully, is kind of going towards the pain. And that's what counseling can help, right? Because it's uncomfortable and it hurts, right? Is sitting with the pain. Um, Dr. Cacciatore again calls it a fully inhabited grief that, you know, we're able to, to be present with that and to let ourselves feel it and process it. And then we can move with it, right? But by far the question that people ask all the time, excuse me, <clears throat> by far the question that people ask is, when does this pain go away? You know, how do I get rid of this? That's people come into counseling and they want to know how they get rid of this pain. And the truth is your love for the person's always there. And so your grief is always going to be there, but it does change over time, you know, and maybe you've experienced that when you've lost someone that it transforms over time, but we can't really force that process. You know, that process is different for everyone. It's, there's no defined six month or a year or whatever timetable. So I like to think of grief as a companion right? It starts off very much being an enemy, right? I lost this person. It hurts, you know, like heck. And I, you know, this grief is my enemy, but really what, what we hope people can come to eventually is finding that the grief really is a representation of your love for the person. And over time, right, if you're willing to say work with someone and people do it on their own too, it's not all about counseling, but sometimes people need help with that, that you learn to, to be with your grief and eventually the grief really becomes a symbol of love. So it's not something we're trying to get rid of, right? We're not trying to fix grief. The goal is not to get rid of it. The goal is to, is integration, is to learning to live with it, right? And and it, it actually can become a beautiful thing, right? And we think about that in, at first it's very much inward, taking care of yourself, self-care. And I would, I would definitely urge everyone who's struggling with this, focus on sleep, focus on, you know, healthy eating habits, focus on getting some outdoor time, um, lean on friends, lean on the people who, you know, if they've offered to make you a meal, accept it. You know, don't say no to those things because people are trying to care for you and love you. Um, Ultimately, as this grief thing transforms, often we see a turning outward, right, of the grief. And that's when people are feeling ready to help others, to maybe volunteer in a loved one's name. Um, some people start foundations and, and or do special races, things like that. But it doesn't have to be a big thing, right? It can be, um, it can be much smaller, you know, um, yet st still very beautiful ways. 
Um, so I, so that's how, that is a message I would love to give to people is viewing grief as right. Because God gave us our humanity, right. And all of the goodness of that and all the hard parts of that. And we, and we grieve as, as humans, right. We, we grieve. Um, Jesus wept, you know, it's one of the reasons I actually think Michelangelo's Pieta is an enduring piece of artwork is, you know, you have his mother, Mary cradling, you know, her deceased son. Um, this is part of our humanity. And so if we can think of our grief as a companion in life and that that's going to change over time, um, I've, I've seen beautiful things come from that. Wow. That's a powerful idea. I love the idea of, because it's, it's, it's reality. Like you said, I, I could, I've seen that too. You know, can you just make the pain stop? Uh, when is this going to go away? When does right. this end? Um, but seeing that it won't always feel exactly like this. Right. But, you know, that idea of a companion that transforms over time is a really uh, beautiful picture. Um, and, you know, I love, I've, you know, as a Christian too, and, and, you know, I've always loved that story where Jesus does weep. And, uh, and you know, it, I've always been fascinated because even in there, the word it uses is that there's actually an anger too over this death. You know, and that, right. and that is okay to feel anger and to feel that like you're just this enemy that's robbed me of this loved one in my life. Right. Those are, those are healthy and good emotions that even Jesus felt Human. as he wept with Mary and Martha at the death of their brother. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yet there was this, this hope though as well, even in that story. Even in it. And, you know, um, anger, I'm glad you brought that up because anger, we know Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and her, you know, um, really groundbreaking stage model of grief. And one of the stages is anger, right? And a lot of people do experience a lot of anger because it seems so dreadfully unfair to have someone that we love taken from us. You know, and, and you've kind of touched on this too, but um, it does seem like when the grieving person is ready to kind of when they have tears or whatever that emotion is, when, when they're processing that grief, a lot of times it is in the presence of a trusted friend mm -hmm. that's there. Um, is there anything else you'd say? Cause I know that I feel like this is an area where if you're the, you are the trusted friend and you have mm -hmm. someone who's grieving that sometimes we feel we don't want to get that part wrong. We want to be the right kind right. of, we want to be a good companion to, to our friend or loved one who is grieving. Is there yeah. anything else you'd say as far as a word of, you know, hey, here's, here's kind of uh, some good tips if you're the friend of someone who's grieving? For sure. Um, I, I think this is in, in the counseling world, I think, and obviously trauma, you know, I, I work with people with trauma as well. And, and trauma and grief, there's some, there's overlap there, right? It's very nuanced work in the sense that we have to be so mindful of the words we use with someone who's grieving. Um, because the words matter to them, how we were, you know, so I would say to a friend or a colleague or anyone trying to speak to someone to be very, become very aware of how they speak about their loved one, the, the words they use around the loss itself, around the person's name, how they refer to them. I've misstepped doing this. Um, and we're all going to misstep, right? Because we're human. But, you know, be careful. You don't want people to feel like they have to be walking on eggshells, but, you know, become aware of how you, your loved one is experiencing this loss and how they talk about it and try to 
try to mimic some of that language, right? Because it will be comforting for them. The other thing I would say is often when, when, when there's a death, there's a flurry of activity right around that time, right? Um, there's, you know, service, church services and graveside services and people are bringing meals to the house and all of that's wonderful. It's wonderful support, um, especially in those early days when it sort of feels like a fog, like you're walking through a fog with this grief, with this loss. But I would say it gets actually harder even later down the line. And I've had so many clients say this to me that three months later, six months later, a year later, it's kind of like the world has moved on and there's no more meals dropped at the door and there's no more flowers and no, or cards coming in the mail. So I would say that that is a really beautiful thing you can do for a friend is to mark a date later on the calendar, a note to yourself to drop by or bring a meal or invite the person, you know, to go on a walk with you or a trip with you or something like that. I think that that, that there's such meaning in that and there's such love in that. Um, grievers often feel lonely down the road. Um, and that can certainly happen at the holidays as well. Um, but I, I think we do better at remembering people who are struggling at the holidays, right? Like that's on our hearts that some people are hurting this time of year. A random Tuesday in February might be a hard day for the person. I've never heard of anyone reacting badly to that, receiving an act of love, you know, just out of the blue later down the line. They really need that. You know, I think that's, uh, especially in this season we're in now with COVID, makes this even a more difficult subject because uh, we're made for relationship. And uh, absolutely, you know, this is kind of driving us into isolation. <laughs> this season is anyway. And so I love what you're saying about relationship because I think just being there and being present, mm. um, I've done that for other people before and they didn't remember anything I said or didn't say, they just remember that I was that there. You were there. And so that, and the fact too is, is that, you know, just that, uh, what is, it's not really a time to discuss it when they're grieving, but what is your worldview? I mean, if your worldview for me is, is that we are made out of love or love. And I can remember that, uh, the one who loved me most actually gave himself for me. Mm. Then that kind of gives me a perspective. Oh, I'll get to see my loved one again. And yeah, right. I still grieve their loss now, but in coming out of that, I get to know that it's not the end of the story. There's that hope. Yeah. There's that hope mm. on, on a related note. I, I think that's beautiful. And we, as Christians maintain that hope, right? And it's such a powerful, beautiful, personal thing to all of us. Sometimes I've heard clients talk about, you know, who are Christians say, oh, you know, I shouldn't have all this sadness, right? I shouldn't feel this way because, you know, because I have Jesus and I have this hope. And there can be sometimes a bit of guilt about why am I feeling, why do I feel all of this pain? You know, I know that they are in a, you know, that they're in heaven and they're out of pain. And I, I do believe in God, you know, I do have Jesus and, you know, so why? So that can be a, a difficult piece for people to wrestle with. And again, I would just say it's not a reflection on one's faith, right? It's grieving as part of our humanity. And the more that we can help people understand that, because I, I do think that 
that's difficult when people walk through their grief that way, like, gosh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Well, you know what? I mean, we have the whole range of human emotions, right? We have joy and love and, you know, happiness and anger sometimes. And grief is one of those emotions. It's really, the more we can normalize it for people, that they can feel it without feeling guilt alongside of it. Boy, it's such an important conversation. And I know we, we're going to have to bring it in for a, a landing, but we don't always do this. But I just thought in light of this conversation, in light of this time of year, uh, Wally, would you mind just saying a quick prayer? Sure. Um, even for those maybe listening that you know, this is a difficult time. Yeah. Father, we just thank you that um, in all things that uh, whether we realize it or not, you're there for us. Uh, and I really uh, pray for those who are walking through. Uh, the grieving process right now, whether it's from a long time ago and just never have really grie- grieved well, or whether it's more recent, I pray that they would feel uh, the weight of your presence and that you would bring hope and encouragement to them and especially rally other people around them just to be there for them uh, so that when they're ready to talk, that they may have somebody to talk with. Uh, and so, Father, that's our prayer. That's our hope. We trust you in these things. Amen. 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 Well, Bridget, we sure really, really thank you for your time. Thank you for the important work that you do in our community. Thanks for and, having me. Um, I, I was curious if, if someone listening or watching uh, wanted to learn more about this topic or connect with you, mm-hmm. how would they best do that? Or, or if there's a resource you'd like to mention, just want to let you know. And I will give you some resources that you can put on your website. Okay. Um, there's several wonderful ones, things online that you can find. To reach me, my website is www.forgemypath, F-O-R-G-E-M-Y-P-A-T-H.com. And like I said, I am very happy to help people who, my, my phone number's on there. It's my personal cell phone number. People can text me. You can send a message through my website. And I'm always happy to give people a few minutes of my time to hear about what they're going through, what their specific needs are with grief or with, with any issue, really and try to help them, you know, hook up with a, a resource, a counselor who can be helpful for them. Well, we want to thank you for uh, watching, listening to this uh, episode of Equip. And we want to remind you that Equip is a partnership. It's made possible through a partnership between Stonebridge Church and Mosaics of Mercy. Mosaics of Mercy is a wonderful nonprofit here in the Woodlands, Texas area. They are a digital um resource hub for all things mental health whether you're looking for support groups or counselors or lots of programs they're a wonderful wonderful resource and partner in our community and uh, again we want to just say god bless you and we our desire to equip is that you would walk in the fullness of life um, that god has made you for god bless hey thanks so much for watching we're really passionate about shedding light on mental health if you found this discussion helpful or beneficial Be sure to like and share the video. If you want to see more, be sure to subscribe and don't forget to ding that notification bell so you know when we release a new episode. We'll see you next time.